Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and you found the Christian channel that loves atheists. A couple of weeks ago, we went through a number of TikToks from people explaining why they went from Christian to no longer Christian. And uh, we're going to look at some more of those today. So before we jump in, I want to go ahead and remind you to check out if you'd like to have a t-shirt like this one that lists all of your favorite topics. And we've covered all of your favorite topics here. Um, I didn't say we didn't also include some topics that you really don't like, but at least some of your favorite topics are probably on the shirt. You can get that by visiting our Teespring shop, and I think there are links right here in the video window or below that. There's a merch shelf, and so we really help that. That helps support the show, and, and you can show your appreciation for the show out in public that way. Also, uh, we'd love if you support what we're doing here for you to get more stuff. And you can do it for as little as a dollar a month by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. That we have another podcast called Supernatural Stories on Apple Podcasts. Just search my name, Braxton Hunter, and Supernatural Stories, and or go to the link in the description below. And you can get there and listen to people share their supernatural stories um, with little, very little input from me and lots of great production and music and things like that. So I hope you'll check that out. And if you do like it, give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Lastly, if you, and this is lastly, if you like what you're uh, experiencing here and you think I'd like to go a little bit further and perhaps earn a degree towards something to do with theology or apologetics, then you can do that at Trinity Sem, Trinity S-E-M.edu. That's Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary. And with that, we'll jump right back into the show. And so what we're going to do is just go ahead and start playing these. These are TikTokers responding to the question, what uh, what was the final turning point for you or what was the turning point for you when you became a non-Christian? Here we go. I actually love this question and I'm so curious to see everybody's answers. I already explained this story, but my turning point was in 10th grade at my Christian high school. I was more or less a Christian until my English teacher made me do my research paper on Islam. And like I said, I was going to a conservative Christian school to play basketball. And this blew me away because after 9-11, Islamophobia ran rapid through America. And at my school especially, oh, I swear to God, even the teachers weren't having it. Even they would blame Muslims and Islam for what happened to the towers that day. They would use that to justify the reason that American troops were occupying Afghanistan. I've never had that fear of Muslims, though. I've had Muslim friends, and I know that that's not what's really happening in their religion. But when I was forced to do a research paper only focusing on Islam and nothing else, not from the biased perspective of a Christian, it blew me away all the doubts I had about Christianity like it was hundred percent like the end like I stopped being a Christian now I have a much larger respect for people's personal spiritual decisions. The issue is when people use religion as a means of control so here we have this statement that uh, I did a research paper on Islam at my Christian school and came to believe that the teachers and leadership or whatever the Christians that I was around were wrongly um, putting emphasis on Islam as one of the reasons or the primary reason that stood behind the events of September 11th. And now he wants to warn people that as much as he appreciates people of all religion, the real problem is when it's used to control. 
Um, yes, religion can be used to control people. And that is certainly, certainly true of many, many, many people in the world today under Islamic controlled regions or countries. That is absolutely true. Uh, there are many people who have engaged in certain activities and said that it was because of their devotion to Islam. Now, I can already hear many of my atheist critics saying, we can do stuff like that with Christianity. Okay, that would be an interesting video for another occasion. In fact, we already do have videos uh, related to that sort of thing. But why in the world does Islam get a pass? Why, why would Islam get a pass from that sort of a concern uh, that, it could, that, that a religion could be used to control someone? Now, maybe you wouldn't give it a pass. He's just saying he doesn't like that uh, his teachers seem to put that sort of an emphasis on it. But even putting that aside, the best reason to affirm that Christianity is true is because Christianity is true. That's the best reason to affirm that Christianity is true. So let's think about that question. It, based on what we've heard here, is Christianity true or is it not true? Well, I don't hear anything in what's been said that in any way undermines the propositional truth claims of Christian theism. Doesn't undermine the notion that there's a, one God who created everything and raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, what what happened here, like whether Christians spoke fairly or unfairly of Islam, in your opinion, whether you agree or disagree with them, let's say that let's say they lied, even if they lied at, at points about Islam. These modern uh, Christian teachers in a Christian school, let's say they were wrong or they lied about current events related to Islam. Now, I reject that. I, I think that would be horrible. I think that would be sinful. It would be a moral blunder if they were to lie about something like that. But we're asking the question, not do, are the people th that I've learned Christianity from crummy people sometimes or say wrong things sometimes or lie sometimes. No, we're asking, is Christianity true or not? And whether these 21st century Western American Christian school teachers got something wrong or said something you disagree with or even maybe said something you don't like, I'd, or even lied. I don't see how any of that would mean that God doesn't exist or God didn't raise Jesus from the dead. I just don't see it. What we see is some Christians shared some personal opinions with me about current events that I, after researching it a little, disagreed with them about. Oh, about what the Bible says? No, 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 about, about current events and, and about um, ideologies in the world today. Well, about what the Bible says? Well, no, no, not directly. So how does this affect Christianity? I, I'm, I'm not understanding it. Now, what it does show us is that we need to be cautious about what we say and make sure we present the reasons why we believe the things that we believe and say the things that we say. That's certainly true. And Christians should take that away because, um, you know, it's true what some have said is cliche, but you are representing Christianity to the people around you as a Christian. Clearly, you're going to see it from other people in this video. Clearly, that's going to happen. So make sure that you represent Christianity well. And I'm not saying that these people did or didn't represent Christianity well. So there were many, but I haven't thought about this one for a few years until this popped up in my For You page. So you already know that I was raised by deeply conservative, cult-like Jehovah's Witness people. And Jehovah's Witnesses have this thing called an annual convention. For those who need any context, a quick synopsis of it is that it's basically an event where Jehovah's Witnesses from different Kingdom Halls go to basically mingle with each other in fellowship. Now, for background, I was about 10, almost 11, and my female friend that I hadn't seen for like three years, I think she was about to turn like 13. She was a late bloomer, and I highly doubt she had even had her first period yet, and she didn't even have breasts. We were really excited, and we platonically ran up to hug each other, and everybody kind of looked at us like we were monsters and horrible people. 
I got chastised by my parents, she got chastised by her parents, and probably even worse because she was the girl. It was a moment where I realized hypocrisy in action. A lot of Christians have so much to say about platonic girl and boyfriends, but nothing to say about molestation and rape. In one sense, you can certainly know this, the Jehovah's Witnesses will get no defense from us here at Trinity Radio. They'll get no defense from me for sure. They are not Christianity. They are a cult of Christianity. They are the result of theological innovation um, almost 2,000 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after the events of the New Testament in the 1800s. And of course, this theological innovation even continues now. They have their own quote-unquote translation of the Bible that is an intentional twisting of the Word of God, so much so that I agree with James White on this. It is the most um, dangerous piece of anti-Christian propaganda in the world today because it mixes what it, it twists what is true at important moments in order to change the theology in ways that are seriously, seriously heretical. And so, uh, yeah, in one sense, they're not going to get any defense from me. Um, <clears throat> so I'm inclined to just leave you, leave them to deal with their own criticisms, uh, as a very, very, very non-Christian group, regardless of what they may say about whether or not they're a Christian group. The thing he mentions though, that he got in trouble for is for hugging a girl who was a friend. Okay. So what, look, I'm all for anyone leaving the JWs. And honestly, the way I, in, in, of course, I'm not in those kingdom halls. I'm in, I'm not in the kingdom hall. I'm in, uh, you know, mostly evangelical churches. And the way I see young people hanging off of each other before, during, and after the service at some of those places uh, makes this kind of, kind of an interesting uh, thing. Most of the places, the leaders and the parents are either apathetic to to public displays of affection or too timid to say anything to their own children about it. And maybe they should. But having said all of that, I'm actually inclined to agree with you. I mean, I, I actually don't have a problem with hugging in, in principle. Um, I, I hugged uh, friends that were girls when I was not a married man and when I was a teenager. And um, especially if it's a side hug, like a good solid side hug. I mean, what, what's, what's the harm there? Um, I don't have a problem with kids that are, that are going together or whatever that means. Um, holding hands. I mean, I think holding hands is great. I, you know, I'm, I don't have this, I'm not ate up about some of this sort of thing, but remember the best reason to affirm Christianity is because you think Christianity happens to be true. So is it a big deal? So if you think Christianity happens to be true and suddenly you find that there's some people that are, you think hypocritical about something like this and, th and they told you not to, you got in trouble for hugging a girl. Is that a reason to leave Christianity? Does that strike to the truth of Christianity? No. What happened was somebody got their feelings hurt when they got called out by some parents or adults or leaders in a group. Um, I, I mean, I know everyone's different. That, that happens to all of us. We get our feelings hurt. Uh, because some sticklers got onto us for something that we don't think they should have gotten onto us for. Is that a reason to reject Christianity? I don't even know that that's a reason not to go to that church anymore. I, I mean, I mean, I, in this case, I don't want you to go to the JWs because their theology is whack for the reasons I've mentioned and many, many more. But that that's not even a reason not to go back to the same local congregation. I, I personally wouldn't have even probably remembered that. Uh, because this kind of thing happens to all of us all the time when we're growing up is adults get onto us for stuff. Sometimes it's legitimate. Sometimes it's illegitimate. I was the kid that didn't really get into trouble a lot. So I kind of did feel it a little more when the, when, when the adults got onto me, cause I really was trying not to get in trouble or anything. And, and maybe you were that way. The, the thing about it is um, even then 
I, I'm not thinking about this too much. Now, everyone's psychology is different and all of that. But one thing I can tell you is absolutely true about this is that it, it in no way speaks to the truth of even the cult of the Jehovah's Witnesses, but certainly not to the truth of um, Christianity itself. Now, this thing that he said here at the end, um, he, he says uh, that they're hypocrites because they won't talk about, they, they, Plenty, many Christians have things to say about uh, these kind of public displays of affection, especially between uh, platonic people like the plutonic friends of the opposite sex, but they won't talk. They've got a lot of these people have nothing to say about molestation and rape. Well, I mean, that that's a claim. Yes, that is a claim. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what qualifies as many people yet. Many Christians may have something to say about that and not about the other thing. I mean, many, what's many, uh, yes, no, I don't know what percentage is relevant out of Christians to talk about that, but sure, many, let's give you many. That's ambiguous enough. I can happily agree. Like if the notion is that in general, they don't care about rape and molestation, this is ridiculously false. Now, a couple of caveats I do want to make on this is since we are talking here about the JWs and not Christianity, uh, despite what the JWs say, as I said before, the truth is, um, I can't speak to their situation of their response to abuse and things like that within that organization. My comments are about Christianity. And so he says that uh, they don't talk about that. That could be something to do with how his particular group handled things. Uh, and so for that, I want to be cautious in my wording. And also when he says that they were both chastised and probably her worse because she was the girl, um, I, that could mean something as simple as you got in trouble and your parents talked to you about it when you got home to something far more severe than that. And obviously those kind of things we want to reject. Uh, let's move on. Yeah, my turning point was when I tried to tell my parents that the Bible verses they were using to shame the LGBTQ plus community have actually been mistranslated on purpose throughout time to control people. And they got mad at me and shamed me and sat me on the couch for like three hours and interrogated me asking me like who of my friends were gay and where I was getting ideas that being gay was okay and asked me if I needed to go to conversion therapy and I was like no you know what I'm good I'm just gonna write it out for the next couple of years and you know what I did and I'm here now look at me I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm not Christian and I'm gay so I feel like we're missing an integral part of the story because I'm trying to hear and I'm trying to understand. But what she says is that she tried to explain to her mother and father that the church has mistranslated these passages that have to do with homosexuality. And so she was trying to to explain all of that to her because these were misused and mistranslated. So uh, theoretically, she's trying if I'm understanding, she's trying to get the proper Christian message that the Bible that God's trying to give us through the Bible. Uh, or that the Bible contains, let's say, and she's trying to get the proper Christian message presented to her parents so, she, so they could know um, what the real biblical message about this is. But we don't ever, and then we hear how they handled this. And, and then after all of that, and I'm not, I'm not agreeing that they handled this right, but then after all of that, she says now she's not a Christian anymore and she's gay. Well, I thought you were explaining to them the proper understanding of, of the text. And if you came to an understanding of the text that you thought, allowed for or, or made it biblically permissible to engage in same-sex activity, then I, I don't know what happened. But let's go ahead and deal with that, uh, that question 
anyway, I actually wrote a piece on this for a project that never ended up happening. But here's what I said. Paul and the Corinthians, such were some of you. That's some of the language in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. So I say in the letter known as 1 Corinthians, Paul informs our understanding of this in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. He says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Now, however one wishes to understand, I'm just reading this for a second, um, however one wishes to understand the sort of overcoming Paul refers to that, that he is referencing an overcoming which has taken place in the lives of some Corinthian men, and that's hard to deny. Attempts by liberal scholars to dilute or alternatively explain Paul's meaning are available but also assailable. Principally, the case is often made that the Greek word arsenikoitai, should be understood to refer to male uh, to male prostitutes rather than homosexuals homosexuals in general. Moreover, malakoi, typically translated effeminate, is thought to refer to effeminate boys. This combination, it is therefore argued, refers to pederasty. As David R. Garland summarizes, the meaning and significance of the words malakoi and arsenikoitai have been examined in recent years by those who would like to water down the condemnation in the New Testament of homoerotic acts. Yet. Paul considers homoeroticism to be a dishonorable passion and a shameful act because it is, quote, against nature. Furthermore, Garland, in case you're not convinced yet, Garland rightly notes he had, it, had he wished to limit his critique to pederasty, he could have used the term pederast. Ben Witherington III demonstrates that even when one grants a certain degree of ambiguity in the text of 1 Corinthians 6-9, the argument would not go through. He reasons, some have urged that only pederasty is condemned in the New Testament, not homosexuality in general. If this were the only passage where Paul addressed the issue, one could agree or could argue in that way. But Romans 1, 26 and following clearly shows Paul's view of homosexual relationships in general. The reference there to lesbian relationships shows that Paul's condemnation of same-sex relationships is not limited to pederasty. So what I want you to take away from this is this, this notion that there's a biblical case to be made, I, I don't think works. I think I've done the work on it. We didn't hear the work on it from her perspective. And so I think that's about where we'll have to leave that one and let's keep trucking the turning point for me was just me reaching an age where i was just kind of like hmm i really don't believe in any of this like i'm only really going here because my parents kind of made me go and i was scared because i thought i was going to burden hell for an eternity because i was raised that way like oh if you don't believe this you're going to be punished for it and one morning I ended up telling my parents, like, hey, I don't really believe in any of this. I was just kind of trying to make you guys happy by going, but I just really don't believe in this. And they were like, okay, you don't have to go if you don't want to go. And honestly, that was it. That was it. Of course, they always express how they wish I'll find God and how they think I will find God someday. But I am glad they didn't continue to force me to go because I really shouldn't have been forced to go in the first place. Yeah, not much to say here, except that he was raised in it and he under, came to understand that there was like a motivation out of fear. It was a fear based motivation. Um, the only thing I'll really say about this is I have talked about this before is uh, and, and publicly I, I mentioned this at the Rethinking Hell Conference a couple of years ago, and I've said it before on the channel, is that um, there are fear as a motivation or fear. Um, you, the, the notion that you shouldn't do things for fear of what could happen is not intrinsically bad logic. 
Okay, now forget the current discussion um, and think about this for a moment. Is it okay to motivate people not to engage in cigarette smoking because of the fear that it could be harmful to their health? Well, obviously so, right? Of course, that's how we do it. So much so that it's even acceptable for some in our culture today for someone to walk up to someone they don't even know who's smoking a cigarette and say, don't you know that's harmful to your health? even though of course they know it's harmful to their health. Are you, are you kidding me? And so, uh, so fear-based motivation is perfectly fine. Your doctors will engage in it with you um, all the time. It's just that it's not demonized as fear-based. It's just being concerned about possibilities that, that we think could occur, right? Um, that what, what matters is something could be terrifying. It could even be traumatic. The question is, is it true or not? So the man who is, uh, you know, may have lung cancer when his doctor sits down with him, when he tells him he may have lung cancer, that is going to be terrifying. That's going to be traumatic for the person. But if it's true, then it's something that he needs to hear anyway. What you may disagree with some parents and how they parent their children. You may disagree with what they consider to be real and true and important for their kids to know. It's just the nature of reality that when we have different ideologies among different parents, certain parents are going to think certain things are extremely important and other things are very dangerous and some things are dangerous not to emphasize. And that's going to that's going to happen in every ideology in different ways. And so uh, that's just the reality of it. But the question is, so really, there's not much to say about this except to say that um, something might be terrifying and traumatic. That doesn't make it wrong. Uh, that doesn't make it wicked or evil. There are a lot of things that we recognize are terrifying and traumatic that are true. And so as a result, we have to interact with them and deal with them. And Christians obviously believe that uh, Christianity is true. And so they are going to want to interact and deal with the concerns that they have based around that. For those of you who don't know, I was raised in a really like conservative Christian household. I think. <laughs> okay, so my family went to a Church of God in Christ. So this one time, this pastor he was like calling people to the front. And then he asked me, like pointed at me to come to the pulpit. And I'm like, okay. So I walk up there with these group of people. He's laying their hands on them and all of them start like falling out. They fall to the ground. This gets to me. He starts praying and he has his hand on my, my head, my forehead. This is pushing me down. And girl, I'm like this. Girl, I'm not giving in, I'm not giving in. This was pushing these bitches to the ground. Over here like, girl, you ain't gonna catch me slipping. Yeah, that was a turning point for me. I was like, this whole time, these bitches are just pushing people to the ground, girl? Girl, I thought it was the Holy Ghost, but not a big, beefy man hands of it. <laughs> um, yeah, so some Christians did something embarrassing and stupid, and that's all it took? That's all it took to shake the Christianity? Unfortunately, Christians have a big responsibility because garbage like this does mess people up. So cut it out. You know, the false, fake, phony stuff that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's on Christians because while we would hope that people would then ask some good challenging and provoking questions, like, is this in the Bible anywhere? And, and are you sure that's what that's talking about? And where did this come from? And why does it seem like I could just stand there and ignore what you were doing? And uh, what's your thinking behind all of this? There, there should be a lot of questions like that. Is this an integral part of Christianity? Are there people who are Christians who don't do this, who don't experience this, or who would call you out for something like this? These would be questions we would hope someone would ask. Um, but since they don't always do that, um, we got to have more responsibility as believers over cut this kind of stuff out.
I gotta say the turning point for me was when I started asking questions about the Bible to the people around me, and they had absolutely no answers. They would always try diffusing or deflecting the questions that I had. Like, again, as a kid who grew up being incredibly creative and loving science, I would always ask questions like, why does the Bible never mention dinosaurs? Or why doesn't, you know, the Bible ever go into any detail about, you know, why certain things are bad and why certain things aren't? Why every sin is considered to be just as bad as each other, when it's very obvious that not every sin is as bad as each other. When it comes down to it, no one could ever possibly answer those questions for me, and when I kept asking them and asking them, people just kept saying that I had absolutely no faith. Then I actually started reading into the Bible, and I realized just how narcissistic and the God of the King James version of the Bible really is. So yeah, that was basically my turning point right then and there. <laughs> Okay, so he says these are three questions that no one could possibly answer. So let's consider these questions. First of all, why doesn't the Bible talk about dinosaurs? Well, some people will tell you that it does talk about dinosaurs. Uh, but if you think it doesn't, in any case, it's not about dinosaurs. The Bible's not about dinosaurs. Well, on that issue of, of why are some things sins and some things not, the Bible doesn't tell us why things are sins. I, I mean, I feel like it does. I, I think I, I, can, I can take you to places where it explains to you why certain things are sinful and why certain things should be done the way they are. And other times, it's pretty obvious why things are sinful. I mean, you know, for example, we're told that we should treat others the way that we want to be treated. We're supposed to love the Lord our God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So why is it wrong to murder? Well, because you're doing something to your neighbor that you would not want done to you. And on top of that, you're destroying the image bearer of God, someone who bears his image, who was made in his image. Uh, this, this is all there. Uh, why is it wrong to steal? Well, hey, that's your, that's, you're not supposed to take from uh, some, something that doesn't belong to you from your neighbor. That's not loving your neighbor. I mean, the, listen, this is why Jesus said you can bind it all up into love, you know, Um uh, that that's a very good thing. These things are all pretty obvious. I, I need an example of what you're talking about. And then on the third thing about why are why are all sins um, the same or equal or whatever when pretty obviously they aren't. I, I actually agree with you. This, this could be a real problem uh, because I you, you I actually agree. I, I don't think all sins are the same. I say it would be a problem if I thought that Christianity required me to believe that all sins were the same. All sins are equally damnable, but not all sins are equally evil or wicked. If I drop uh, one glass of grape juice on the carpet or a drop of grape juice on the carpet or a gallon on the carpet, I have to change or clean the carpet, right? In, in either case, even if it's just a drop, I have to change the carpet if I want the grape juice gone or, or wash it with some really good stuff to wash, right? It, you could do that. Uh, but is one stain worse than the other? Oh yeah, it's way worse than the other. And in a similar way, um, yeah, it, it, because we're all sinners, we don't think our sins are that big a deal because of our sinners that the, 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 we're facing the judgment and condemnation of death. But the truth is, um, there are many sins that are far worse in terms of consequences and far more wicked than other sins. So I think you can follow your intuition there. Where you can't follow your intuition is to the point of saying that because my sins aren't as bad as somebody else's sins, I don't need Jesus anymore. That, that's, that doesn't work. So three questions, three pretty solid, straightforward, direct answers um, that 
I am extremely confident in. So if those help, then I'm glad to help. Things already didn't make a whole lot of sense, but when I was 16, here's what happened. My parents dropped me off at my grandparents' house so they could go on to my uncle's 50th birthday party in Lafayette, Louisiana. I specifically heard my dad say, do not talk to her about religion. She's not really sure where she stands and I don't wanna push her too hard. You know what my grandparents did? As soon as my dad left, they pulled a Bible out, started pointing out verses that I didn't understand and telling me that I was going to go to hell. I start furiously texting my mother on my razor phone. <laughs> totally just dated myself. Hello, 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 please come back. Can you send my aunt or literally anyone to save me, please? Finally, my mom calls and I go to the bathroom. I thought I locked it, but my grandma busted in the bathroom. She takes my phone from me and tells my mom that I'm just being emotional. Because I'm 16. Yeah. So this does sound like a bit of a nightmare, and I'm really sorry that that happened to you. It sounded like your grandparents didn't do what your parents specifically asked and uh, didn't handle this at all in a good way. But again, we believe we affirm Christianity because we believe Christianity is true and nothing in this story means that Christianity is false or even approaches a reason to believe Christianity is false intellectually. That said, again, this is often, I mean, we would like everyone to critically think through all of these kinds of things. Um, and, but most people don't operate that way in life. And so though we would love for people to think through all things in terms of objections and, um, and, uh, challenges and responses and rebuttals and all that sort of thing, like it's some sort of, um, scientific endeavor and, and all that sort of thing. The people often don't think that way. And as a result, it doesn't mean they're right in their conclusions, of course, but what it does mean is that the church needs to definitely be aware uh, individual Christians need to be aware that, again, they are representing Christianity to the people around them. And that is a big responsibility. Boy, I tell you, okay, check this out. Everywhere I have ever been around anybody who preaches any type of Christianity says that they are with that. Come on, man. Most of those people don't even know what they're even talking about. First of all, if you try to tell them that any part of their religion didn't come just straight out directly from their Lord, their God, their Savior, they'll lose. Christmas? Yule. Easter? Ostara. Halloween's not anything to do with anything. Christians act like it's the end of the world. It has nothing to do with worshiping Satan. There's so much hypocrisy altogether and once you actually start getting in and reading it, which I did around the age of 15, 16, and then got further in depth with Norse paganism, I feel the gods everywhere. Nature is my church. My house is my church. I don't need to go and pay tithes to be with my God and feel him. Come on, bro, really? Um, you don't have, <laughs> so I, I used to say this a lot. I'm going to say it now. I don't mean it to sound like a jerk and I am going to respond to what he said, but basically you could say about everything that he just described, everything that he just stated, you could say, so what? And still be a Christian and lose no intellectual credibility because none of those things challenge Christianity. The holidays like Christmas, Easter, those sorts of things are uh, uh, borrowed from other pagan religions and stuff like that. 
It's really interesting because my good friend, Michael Jones, who is probably now because of his YouTube channel, the world's biggest responder to those kinds of claims is going to be speaking at our church, One Life Church, this Sunday, talking about that very issue, is Christmas pagan? And he will argue that it's not. And I assure you, he's not one of those guys that you run into who you think have never thought through these things before. And so, um, so that's interesting. But guess what? Even if they were, do you know that a lot of Christians just grant that? Just think that's the case? Because there's nothing about Christmas or the traditions that we put around Christmas, aside from the birth narrative itself, there's nothing about that or the particular day of the year or anything that is integral to Christianity. Just the birth narrative. That's it. Um, with Easter, uh, same, same thing. Uh, the resurrection is what's important to us about that, right? Uh, Halloween is not Satan's holiday or what, whatever you said. I, okay. I, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing here? Uh, yeah. So, so, and then it took a real twist. I will say it took a real twist right at the end. I, I thought he was going naturalism. Hey, this has all just been borrowed and it's all bunk. Nope, not at all. Now we're into the Norse gods and we're into paganism and uh, the world is my church and nature is my church. And everywhere I look, I, I feel the gods. Okay, well, um, I, you know, I don't know. You seemed like you were interested in scholarship and reasons and uh, looking into things um, instead of just trusting feelings, I would, I would imagine. You struck me as the kind of guy who'd be more interested in that than just trusting your feelings. Um, and, uh, but in the end, we're talking about your feelings. Because what I've, what I've heard here is I came to determine that some of the holidays Christians celebrate and don't celebrate might not have anything originally to do with Christianity. Therefore, I should go be a pagan. Or maybe, I'll, I'll be fair, maybe he looked into this deeply and decided he should be a pagan. But if applied the same sort of ideas that you should walk away from Christianity or become skeptical of Christianity because of these sorts of things... I don't, I don't know. But the last thing I want to say is he says that you, you have to, you have to tithe. You have to tithe to feel God or something. I don't. Oh man. TikTok. So there we have my response to these TikTokers about why they're no longer Christians. We'll probably do more in the future. And I hope this was entertaining or enjoyable for you. Check us out at patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Check out the podcast Supernatural Stories uh, and visit us at trinitysim.edu today.